morning is being aware of your mood, your state of mind, physical body. These are Santiti Kodama, they're the way they are here and now. So this kind of reflecting, observing, witnessing is you tend to make a judgment like you I feel good or bad or whatever. Don't don't try to <coughs> see the pointlessness of just making value judgments, of always making something, putting a some kind of quality to it, but it is the way it is. So this is a way of awareness where we're not defining or judging but just recognizing it's intuitive intelligence not kind of learned knowledge and dualistic thinking that, that define things and judge things according to right wrong good and bad so whatever way you're feeling right now it's this way. It's the way it is. It's not, and you maybe, you know, the tendency is to oh, I don't feel very good, or that's a judgment, isn't it? But whatever it is that you think doesn't feel very good is it is what it is. It's like this. Oh, this is important because we're so bound to the thinking process. And in meditation, we're, you know, we're, we're learning to put thinking in its proper place rather than just become uh, this obsessive thinker and bound to our thoughts and just the repetition, endless, uh, boring repetitions of thinking and and uh, judging, liking, disliking. That's why I, I encourage you to just to say thinking is something you've learned after you're born. It isn't it isn't consciousness. You know thinking is a is a function of the mind that we acquire. It's conditioned. So whatever you think, you know, whatever you think you are, or your views and opinions, your sense of right and wrong, good and bad, that's all acquired. Right and wrong are, you know, are value judgments. Is a cat wrong for killing a mouse? According to human value judgments, you know, and they say non-violence and non-killing, then it's wrong to kill. But then that is missing the point, isn't it? It's his nature, isn't it? That's uh, it's not right or wrong. It's the way it is. Cats are creatures that are made for killing mice, birds. They, that's their karma. But we put human value judgments on and say, 
we wish we could make the cat vegetarian and non-violent and friendly to mice and respectful to birds. That's just not the way things are, you know. That's the fantasy world, Walt Disney cartoon. And that's why, why I encourage listening to yourself thinking. I'm not asking you to not think or to stop thinking, but, uh, you know, this, is, this I found ex- extremely helpful in putting the thinking process into perspective. So that in listening to myself thinking, because that which is aware of thinking, you know, so obvious, isn't it? If I intentionally think, right now I'm thinking, I'm aware that I'm thinking, I'm speaking. So basic. And yet I can go on the assumption that, you know, the, you know that I'm Ajahn Sumato giving a Dhamma reflection in the morning and all the conventional uh, assumptions and positions that we take. Or not taking a position or coming from an assumption, but recognizing this this awareness, this natural state, consciousness, it's conscious. And thinking arises and ceases. Now this, if you, if you keep contemplating this then you begin to to no longer create need to create yourself or just be bound up in the thinking process or just be you know a victim of your own emotional habits and thoughts memories you've got this this witnessing this this awareness this intuitive attention to observe from to see things as they are, knowing, in terms of knowing reality, knowing Dhamma, rather than just uh, acquiring knowledge about defining. That's the intellect, isn't it? Where we, we, uh, you know, we acquire knowledge from others, from books, from teachers. So this is direct knowing, consciousness, awareness. So it's attention, really. It's not, it is kind of, it's formless. It doesn't, it's not something you, you create. It's it's, uh, not something that depends on anything else. It's just recognizing, observing. Like the space in this room, you don't create it. You just suddenly recognize it. Oh yes, there's space in this room. Consciousness is not, you don't create it. It's not a memory. Not dependent on conditions. It's the natural, natural state of being, 
here and now that we're all experiencing has is not my creation or dependent even if I forget all about it and get go completely crazy mad there's still consciousness operating except I'm you know I'm creating all kinds of uh, mad perceptions in it and if I stop doing that just being the knower the puto knowing the Dhamma then even the mad perceptions the craziness is is an object it's not reality Now, sometimes, emotionally, we don't want to do this because, you know, there's a lot of resistance to being enlightened and wise. You may think you want to become enlightened and and be wise. It's a nice ideal. Isn't As an ideal, it's certainly beautiful. There's certainly uh, something that people would say, oh, that's wonderful, you know, I'd long to... I long for enlightenment, for spiritual realization, for self-realization, for salvation, liberation. But that, what is that? That's thinking again, isn't that? And that's an ideal. We put it into a term of, of something that would be that we imagine would be very nice, very wonderful. Being fully enlightened like the Buddha would be absolutely wonderful. Never to feel anything, never to suffer again. So that's a thinking again, and that's a, an, an ideal. But reality is this, you know, it's the way it is now. It's not, it's not ideal. It's the way you are right now. Your physical condition emotional state, your memories, your character tendencies, whatever it is, you know, you're not saying it's, when you, when you just see yourself from this position of a, of Sakya Ditti or self-view, what happened? When I see myself, when I, when I think about myself as a kind of permanent personality and ego, Sakyaditi, I, it brings up, my critical faculties start working. I think, of my, you know, I start criticizing myself. Because my personality, I can see a lot of emotional tendencies and, and, and um, things that, you know, I, are not the best. Some aren't very good. And you know the the judgment goes on. You know, not is uh, not right or immature or foolish or stupid. I can get into into you know using um, these pejorative terms because that that you know in the we have an ideal of of a perfect personality. You know, the loving father. The, uh, you know, wonderful father figure, full of love and warmth, 
compassion, nurturing, caring, protective, full of metta all the time and, and always forgiving and compassionate, never let you down, always there for you. The ideal father figure or mother figure. And then the realities of oneself, one's personality are like this. Or for men, you know, the brave male. You know, one of the things, uh, you know, to be cowardly or weak, pusillanimous, you know, this personally, you know, one, one fears this more than anything. One wants to, to be brave and strong and courageous. Do the right thing. Save humanity. Be like Superman. You know, attack the forces of evil. And so these are the, the images. These are value judgments, aren't they? Value judgment is about brave and cowardly, strong and weak. Now, in uh, awareness, then this is this has this isn't you know weakness is like this, strong cowardliness is like this, brave bravery is like <laughs> you know you don't even you name the terms you just know it. There's feelings of whatever it is, it is the way it is, arising, ceasing. You see what I mean? It's really transcending. It's not transcending in a way of, of rising above and kind of leaving it all behind, but it's recognizing the way things are. And it's a, this reiteration of all conditions are impermanent. Sape Sankarani Cha. All Dhamma is not self. So none of this is, you know, it's not, not any personal thing anymore. Like personality view depends on ignorance. That I am this way, it's my character, my emotion, my memories, my weakness, my strengths, my bravery, my cowardice, my body. It's full of this assumption, this this illusion of an ongoing uh, self, ongoing self that is uh, always defined, judged, criticized, approved or disapproved of. Now, in reality, that's not the way it is. But we can live in that world of ignorance lifetimes without ever breaking through it. We're just stuck in this whatever we get, you know, whatever conditioning we acquire, whatever forms this sense of a personal identity, we can be stuck with it and never see beyond it. So that's where this, uh, this is the encouragement to investigate. When I am, you know, what, what am I? Who am I? You know, this, these kind of questions. 
Who am I? It's not to find out, to have some kind of ultimate personality that, that one identifies with. The question, who am I? Not, not to look for yourself as some, with some defined quality or some value, but a way of observing what we think we are, what we cling to and attach to and bind ourselves to. Now this is awareness and enlightenment and wisdom. There, This is where getting beyond the words themselves, you know, in terms of personal, personal qualities, you'll never have a wise personality. Personalities are conditions. <coughs> you'll never be pure, a pure person, like purity and enlightenment, wisdom. This, this is impersonal, where personal is all about me and I'm this, this, this body, I am a male, I am 73 years old, I am American, I am Buddhist monk, and I'm a good monk, bad monk, senior, junior, Theravadan, whatever, you know, it goes on like that. If I didn't know this, then I'd be stuck in that in that in that uh, realm of being somebody, actually believing, you know, being committed to myself as my position, my my qualifications, my fears. But then the the aim uh, that we're here for the, is the enlightenment, seeing, knowing the way it is. But ask yourself, you, we, sometimes we enjoy being ourselves, our personalities. Like feeling sorry for yourself, isn't it? There's kind of, I used to, this was one of the emotions I used to suffer from, feeling sorry for myself. And yet I kind of, it's kind of an attachment to that. It's, it's something kind of, I don't know, it's not a nice feeling, but it, it's kind of, you don't want to let go of it. You want to believe that somehow you're misunderstood and nobody loves you and, uh, and you're, you're not appreciated. You work hard and, and give a lot and nobody really feels any gratitude whatsoever. And, and, and it's a kind of indulgence in that. And it's kind of a sick uh, sense of, you know, self-pity. And, and I remember observing this and then recognizing, you know, just dropping it, not following it. And then there's something resisting it. I quite, quite enjoyed this sense of, you know, nobody loves me and nobody really understands me. I'm just alone, misunderstood. My intentions are always good. I've always tried to serve the Sangha and help you. 
and uh, give my life. I've given my life. And all I get is a slap in the face. Now, I, you know, this is like intentional thinking, being when, I, when you're self-pitying, when you're caught in self-pity, listen to it, really carry it to, to its absurdity. Because it is, it's absurd. But you have to, you, you know, you, this is where this encouragement to not, not suppress it. Not, because you know, then saying I shouldn't feel sorry for myself and try to stop it, but really observe it, listen, be the knower of it. Because suppressing it is is not, you know, you never learn anything through suppressing. You just make the habit stronger. So then, I think, do, you, do you want to be this, this uh, whinging, self-pitying slob, or you know, snap out of it? Now, snapping out of it is, <laughs> is, uh, is merely being aware of it. It's not just, you know, kind of destroying the mood, and <coughs> which would be like an act of destruction, aversion, vipawadana, but of recognizing it. Away and just being patient and accepting of this, the feeling of self-pity, the sense of a self, of being someone that nobody understands is like this. There's a Latin phrase, sapere odi, which means dare to be wise. So point out that we, you know, wisdom is certainly an ideal that we all think it would be wonderful and long for. But it's our true nature. So it's a matter of recognizing and uh, trusting. Not something you you don't have. And that you've got to acquire is just something you've never recognized, because you're so bound and committed to the illusions of a self. Now the attitude then is one of, say, like for en- enlightenment, awareness. It's the opposite of worldly, worldly values. You know, so in like in, in the world, it's not we're trying to, you know, strive, use a lot of willpower, work hard, uh, achieve, attain for progress and atta- uh, achievement, attainment, get, get somewhere in your life. So these are, say, the worldly values that we're all, you know, that we were instilled with in the, through our parents, through our culture, education. Notice uh, in the samana life, alms mendicancy, being dependent on alms for, you know, the necessities. 
or what is necessary for survival. Now that's, you know, that's uh, that's an act of faith. To put yourself in such a vulnerable position. Especially when you're conditioned the opposite way. You know, to be independent, self-sufficient. Not somebody who's dependent. So being dependent is kind of like, you know, in, in terms of my cultural background, being dependent is weak and kind of, you know, being independent is is strong. Independent, that's, that's a strong person who's independent. One who's dependent is a weakling. Those are the values, you know, of my well, uh, Anglo-Saxon upbringing. Then in Buddhist monasticism, you, know, you find yourself an alms mendicant. Now that is, uh, you know, reflecting on what that is. It's it's an act of faith, isn't it? It's it's going into the unknown because you don't have money in the bank or, you know, something you can depend on. There's always this sense of maybe. If nobody offers the food, uh, I, you know, what are you going to do? So this is, uh, you know, this is saying that not in terms of personal, you know, I'm an alms mendicant, and we could make that into an ideal, you know, somehow better than these independent uh, people that live in London, work in the stock exchange and, and you know, really prove themselves, become multi-billionaires are the real successful ones. Or we could create a sense of ourselves being superior because we, we live on faith and trust. So whatever way you want to look at it, you know, we can create it into, into a into a self-view, a sakyaditi view. And that's not the point, you know, not to, to create a, just another self-view that we, you know, we hold to in order to justify what we're doing. But look at alms mendicancy, faith, intuitive awareness, Enlightenment, Nibbana, you, you can't achieve them. It's awakening, isn't it? It's, it's observing. And it's, it's not trying to, to become someone that's mindful, but being mindfulness itself. Being just this this simplicity of awareness. It's a, it's like a surrender. It's a relaxation, letting go. These are the words that resonate. If you're going to use words, letting go. You know, in the second noble truth. This is the insight. 
into the cause of suffering, letting go of the causes of suffering. So letting go then is like relaxing. Nothing to do. I don't have to sit here and try to achieve and attain and purify myself and get rid of my my uh, faults, my bad thoughts, my defilements. So notice that I'm saying is the reverse of of how we're conditioned. That's why it's it's not easy for us. The meditation is is difficult because we're c- conditioned for the other for the opposite. And so we bring that conditioning into Buddhist monasticism of you know striving, achieving, attaining, becoming, judging ourselves, having you no know, strong views about <coughs> right and wrong, good and bad. So that's why these these uh, th- this kind of rec- remind ourselves that this is not nothing to gain. It's this that sense of trust and uh, relaxed attention, being attentive, and uh, but not a kind of willfully pushy or making it into a kind of obsessive uh, practice that we we have to achieve and attain during this winter's retreat. And so, because like when you, when you use willpower from ignorance, then it, it just reinforces the self-view. You know, so you strive hard, work hard, sit for hours, give up sleeping, go on fast, you know, do do all the you know really push and work hard and strive, and then what happens? You know sometimes you do get you know you do uh, have good results, but you can't sustain it. You keep having to do it again over and over again to get that same feeling. Like I found asceticism, you know as kind of, you know, kind of like, I'd, you know, I could really kind of feel I've, I'd attained something, achieved something. But but then once I stopped striving and achieving and went back to normal daily life and have this sense of loss, and I feel I'd have to go on another ascetic binge again, denial and getting rid of things, control, Now the monastic system is is geared so it's not based on asceticism. Uh, you know, it's a, it's just a, it's a it's not meant to be a kind of ascetic where you, you know you're trying to to deny yourself or or um, punish yourself or you know have to give up the w- all the worldly temptations, all sense objects of the senses are evil forces trying to delude you tempt you, the forces of Mara everywhere trying to m- make you heedless and destroy you so you've, you've got to really, you know, put blindfold over your eyes 
Put earplugs into your ears. Live in a sensory deprivation tank. Don't even look at the flowers. Because they're just there to tempt you, to pull you back into the world and, and delude you. So beautiful roses are really the forces of Mara. Now that's getting into, you know, Puritanism and, and um, madness, really. It's where you get, a, you know, permanently paranoid. But it's a it's a form, it's a vehicle, say Buddhist monasticism is a vehicle to you know, that in which mindfulness is is uh encouraged. The point of it is for mindfulness. It's not meant to you know, as an attack against the sense world, but a way of living in the sense world and observing it, knowing it, reflecting on it. Because whether you like it or not, we're in the sense world. This is the way it is. You know, bodies are sensitive forms. So that's just the way it is. There's nothing wrong with it. It's not good or bad. It is like this. Having a human body, a, ma a female body, a male body is like this. It's, it's sensitive. But being aware of its sensitivity, you know, this awareness, then is, is, is an awareness puts sensitivity so where we can observe it and know it rather than just be caught into being a sensitive person just seeking uh, the pleasure, the, the pleasant and, uh, and trying to avoid or get rid of the painful and unpleasant. Awareness gives us the perspective on sensitivity that we don't have when we, when we don't, when we're not aware. When we're heedless and not aware and ignorant, caught in the sense of self, then we are, you know, there's a lot to fear and, and uh, we, want, we become very controlling, control freaks and frightened because there's so much, you know, we've got to protect ourselves from the possibility of loss and pain and discomfort, sickness, So contemplate, you know, this, uh, reflect on this, what this attitude of relaxation, openness, letting go, receiving, like the self, the Sakyaditi <coughs> wants to uh, control things, you know. I want only the pleasurable, the beautiful, the refined, the good stuff. At least that's how my personality is. And then 
I don't want any of the other. So when we say, you know, on, on New Year's, when we say, may you have, or on somebody's birthday, may you have long life, good health, success, prosperity, happiness. What are we saying? You know, may you have all the best. Because this is, this we like to hear. Say if we said, may you have short life, pain and sickness, failure, misery. <laughs> That's a curse, isn't it? That's a curse. <laughs> but in terms of awareness, you know, pain, failure, loss, whatever it is, and and gain and success and good health. You know, the eight worldly dhammas. Our relationship to them is is the knower, not the owner of good health or bad health. Uh, not the owner of success or, or failure. The observer of it. So success, failure. Lungpa Chang used to say this. Same value, success and failure, same thing. Praise and blame. Now, blame is something I think we all dread. You know, that we live in a society that it likes to blame. Here in Britain, you know, they're always blaming somebody. You know, so it's blaming the prime minister, or the chancellor, or the Minister of Education, or the Tories, or the Americans, or whoever, you know, there's always who's to blame. We're afraid of being criticized. You know, tell me you love me, uh, even if you don't, just tell me, because it makes me feel good. Tell me everything is okay, you know, everything's going to be all right. Uh, because that makes me feel good. Makes me feel safe. Even if it's not true, don't tell me, you know, your fears and your uh, suspicions. Say, how is everything? And I'm like, oh, fine, fine, everything's okay. Any problem? No, no problems. <laughs> I remember uh, coming back here sometimes, you know, and think somebody mean me, and they had a concern looking at oh my God, something's gone wrong. What's happened? You know, this kind of dread. Somebody's going to tell me something I don't want to hear. I don't like. I don't want. Now this is, you know, now this, you know, is uh, observe, I, you know, this sense of observing this watching, witnessing, now how you, you know, the kind of demands or expectations or attitudes you have, not in terms of judgment, but recognizing. Tell me everything is okay. I remember I could, you know, I, I bring it, I think this out to absurdity. Please tell me everything is all right, even if it isn't. 
because I like the world of illusion. Of that kind of illusion. Everything is okay. You don't have to say everything's perfect. I wouldn't trust that. Say, everything is okay. So that word, okay, is uh, whatever that means. Now is the time where we have a lot of, you know, the, the um, global warming. This is all you hear now about global warming and terrorism. Environmental problems, and so you know these are, you know, these are kind of ominous attack on terror, terrorists. You've got to have somebody to hate and blame. You know, in the Soviet Union crash got to direct that to something. The Soviet Union's gone. Who can I blame now? <laughs> this is ignorant uh, human nature, isn't it? So notice in your in oneself, you know, really, uh, you know, this sense of not wanting to hear unpleasant things about yourself or about the world, you know, it's a, tell me everything, tell me I'm okay. Tell me you love me, even though you don't mean it. <laughs> and this guy. So in in uh, training yourself, we can, you know this is this is something that I've put a lot of attention to is uh, learning to listen and receive uh, criticism, personal criticism. Because I found this, you know, this was something that I couldn't do. You know, if it was just, you know, I'd, if I, if somebody started criticizing me, giving me feedback, negative feedback, or critical feedback, or whatever, whatever you want to call it, I just feel hurt, wounded, nobody loves me, kind of feeling. Or I just feel enraged, you know, it's not fair, it's not true, you're all wrong. Or I get defensive. I say, well, I did that because, you know, I had to get into defending myself. Well, these are all unpleasant reactions. You know, somebody's saying something to you, criticizing you. You know, maybe their intention is very good. Maybe they want to help. Or maybe they're just being mean and nasty. So then you get into arguments, or you just, you know, I'm not going to speak to you ever again kind of uh, attitudes. Now, this, I d deliberately cultivate this. That's why I, I recommended this sound of silence as a way, because it's by realizing this, 
I could really um, open to criticism and blame, whether it's justified or somebody's just being mean and nasty or they're just trying to help me, giving me feedback. Doesn't matter, really. So this is finding, recognizing the value of awareness. Because in, when, you, when your mindfulness connects, it's a conne- this sound of silence is really a connected awareness. You know, it's where you, c- it's a sustaining awareness. Uh, I mean, it's self-sustaining awareness you don't create. So you don't have to make yourself aware and try to sustain it. Just recognizing it and trusting it. It's, uh, you know, it's self-sustaining. So for me, this sound of silence is this awareness. Resting in this awareness then I can really be attentive. You know, I can be aware of, uh, I can listen to others telling me things, critical things. I can, at the same moment, be aware of my own emotional reactions to what they're saying. Because it gives you this space, this way of, this uh, perspective on my own emotional reactions and also ability to hear what somebody else is saying to me at the same time because awareness includes everything it's not it's where you know if you're trying to take things literally and personally then you're back in the samsaric view of that's not right that's not true argument you know how can you say that and you you don't really like me you're just saying this to because you're jealous or way one can get you know, very uh, reactive on a personal level because that's all you know how to do. That's all that's possible. Or you just refuse to to listen. You say, just go away, don't bother me. Shut up and don't ever darken my doorway ever again. Or by recognizing awareness, then... uh, You know, you find out, you know, you you can. Your refuge is in awareness, not in defending yourself or blaming somebody else. So, and this is a very important lesson, because until we know this, until we can understand this, you know, then we are. We're caught in the realm of personal fears and and please tell me everything is okay and and uh, you know idealism we all must love and help and nurture each other understand each other be compassionate and and loving kalyanamittas all the time and this is you know, sometimes this is the kind of demand we make on each other you know kind of demand that you sh- you know you should love me kind of permanently, no matter what, if you're a real Kalyanamitta. So we take this Pollywood Kalyanamitta and make it into another, ide- you know, ideal. 
and demand, please, please be my kalyanamitta, meaning love me and uh, support me and nurture me. Well, it, you know, I can see that, you know, wanting people to to be my friends and to respect me and to appreciate me and to love me and to understand me. Now, listening to this in myself, this dem- wanting, you know, all the good things from others. And, and that is... Uh, makes me very frightened because, you know, that's just not the way things go, isn't it? People can't just just spend their time making me feel good. I can't expect the society I'm living in to devote itself to making me feel happy and everything is okay and they love me. So they, you know, you recognize the kind of being the wisdom, superior audi, being, being, dare to be wise, observe, witness, the self, the self that gets hurt, that's frightened and offended like this, the self-pitying, self-pitying is like this. And it's not, it's not, it's, it, when we say it's like this, it's, it's willing to accept it in, in, in whatever way, you know, it, it, it feels. It's like this. Poor me is like this. And as I rest in this uh, sound of silence, in this connected awareness, you know, the thing falls away. You know, things cease. And so what I call this is consciousness with awareness where can you can observe the cessation of yourself. The end of self. Because everything you think you are, every identity, every habit you have, good or bad, Thesis. If you if you stay in this, if you tr- recognize and trust and rest in awareness, there's nothing, no self, anatta. So this is a way of liberation. This is liberating knowledge. This is, uh, you know, this is the knowledge. This is wisdom knowledge. This is knowing the way it is. So this is to be encouraged, you know, during this retreat to see this is the purpose. Give this uh, opportunity to investigate.